Because he had me nothing to worry about. I made a good decision. Fine, fine. I made one too. What? What decision did you make? Well, that if you're allowed to make a unilateral decision about something which affects this entire family, then so am I. Well, what what decision are you going to make? No, yes. But one day I will make a decision which affects this entire family because you did, and our relationship is an equal partnership, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> don't you worry, because I'll talk it over with you afterwards. When the spawnies world, spawnies world. When the spawn meets world, when the spawn meets world, when the spawn meets world, when the spawn world, when the spawn meets world, when the spawn meets world, when the spawn This is episode 72. Yeah, we haven't talked about the theme song yet, have we? Oh, like, yes. Our, we have maybe we haven't about talked it. about it in detail, but... <laughs> Either way, I, every time it plays, I'm just like, yeah, I love you. You're good. It's the best one thus far, right? It really is. I mean, it's just, it's so teenage. It's so cool. You want to be everyone in that situation. Like, you want to run down the stairs. You want to jump into the... Corvette, you know, like this is they're good times, good times. All my dreams, bro. And you know what's interesting is that I remember when TGIF was airing that I always felt that Boy Meets World got the short shift when it came to theme songs because everyone else had like an actual song, whereas Boy Meets Worlds have only been like little MIDI files, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And so, like, you know, you have your, you know, step by step, <laughs> you know, all that shit. You know, Family Matters, Full House, they all had, like, songs. And so, I mean, I was very excited when we finally got, you know, Where's Boy Meets World? Yeah. But this this one still is very nostalgic and very meaningful to me. And honestly, I feel like it it's longer lasting. You know what I mean? It is. They, it definitely, in duration, it feels... Ah! Actually, I don't know. I feel like first season was kind of long, too. Second and third season, they were like nothing. It was like that little <laughs> purple blip at the beginning. What it do, boy? Yo, son, I'm, I'm chilling. I have not been able to drink in a very long time, but I have sufficiently been off of painkillers long enough that I am now engaging in alcohol, and I am ready <laughs> to... <laughs> to join all the the quarantinis out there, yes. drinking during this time. Yes. Burn we up, gotta burn get this together. <laughs> <laughs> COVID uh, turned up. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, there's this meme going around that's like 9 a.m. Wake up, drink. Headshot, drink. <laughs> Faded, drink. <laughs> It seems like a blast. Honestly, yeah. it has to be better than doing this sober. I don't think I've been sober sober for like a full 24 hours since this has began. <laughs> I, I think that's the norm now. I don't even know. Yeah, so like, we're in airport rules. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do what makes you happy. Sweat exactly. Pants, cocktails at 8 a.m. I mean, there are no rules. This is a mental journey, you know? <laughs> exactly, it is. Um, are you ready to get into this? Yes. These episodes, I feel like this season is very apt. It's very now, well, you know what I mean? <laughs> this season is already just, like, getting their shit together. They are writing not 
like this is the first time I've really felt the sense that they were trying to build story arcs for the season, you know, like and really kind of like pay it off and and see it through in a way that they didn't so much at the beginning of season three. Because if you remember, you know, the beginning of season three is Sean and Turner. They're living together for the first time. What's this going to be like? And we didn't really get much development with their story. We kind of walked away from it. So um, to see Alan, who is piggybacking off of his, you know, story from the previous episode uh, about, you know, being a grocer and winning his trophy and how this wasn't what he wanted. Um, you know, it just it's cool to see it paying off. Yeah, we're getting, as you said, more story arcs. Um, a lot of the previous seasons have been kind of standalone episodes. You know, we still learn, we have growth, but not really in a connected way. Um, and I think we're just getting that now, whether it's because they are releasing episodes the same time they were filmed, you know? <laughs> Boy Meets World's very, very known for their inconsistencies. But either way, I do like the direction that we're heading. And I think that it's really interesting that you and I are reviewing these while literally the world is up for discussion. Yes. It's like... Corey's looking for answers. We're looking for answers. There's a connection. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of trans. Oh, I'm Siege. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm Tony Coitus. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this show gets us so fucking excited we can't stand it. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the episode, yep, yep. let's just check in a little bit. We did a little bit at the top of the episode, but how you doing? What's going on? well everything is fine everything <laughs> is fine you like that meme with the dog and everything's on fire You're like this is yeah. fine <laughs> yeah uh i mean you know i'm trying to do a few things to help my mental health through corona quarantine uh i've switched to international news instead of american news Ooh, uh, that's a really good one uh yeah that's been awesome. Um, just so you know, hearing news that I can trust and that won't kill me. That's been great. Um, <laughs> and I've also just been trying to, you know, focus on the positive side. Like, like I said, you know, commutes are going down. I used to complain about having to have this long-ass commute all the time. I don't have it. I'm seeing my dog all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm spending time with my family. I'm playing board games. It's There's there's positive things to, to focus on. So Absolutely. Uh, I will say it was funny because my boyfriend and I, we were taking a walk. And I was like, the world has to be very weird for dogs right now. Because everyone's <laughs> home 24-7, which they love. But strangers no longer pet them. And it has to be this weird thing where it's like, okay, you guys are here all the time, which is fine. And I love it. But, like, no one wants to touch me. And that's literally all that people used to do. Well, <laughs> honestly, I can say as a dog owner, probably the biggest difference is, yes, people are around me all the time. But now I don't hang out with any other dogs. Yeah. I don't hang out with any other dogs. Um, I go on lots more walks. But, like, they're weird Tension walks, you know, yeah, like like, more walks but less dog parks. Like it's a, it's a thing. It really yeah, is. It's a very weird time, and I just wonder what it's like for someone who has no context. Can I also point out that it's been raining like crazy in LA since this whole thing started? Like 
the world is upside down right now. It really is. And uh, I have theories on that that I'll share with you personally a little bit later. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it's, I honestly keep saying Does that it involve Batman fighting an evil genius? Because I'm <laughs> with you, bro. We're there. Like this, we're in a comic book territory, right? We are in some other world type shit. Um, if you told me that coronavirus was released by Vladimir Putin, three years ago into an animal specifically to poison and start this crisis, but he's been secretly feeding the vaccine to Russians for months in preparation. <laughs> I would believe it. Like that's where we are. We are in that level where right now, like the superhero or super villain scenario just seems likely. You're like, it's as real as anything else that's happening in our lives. It so. feels like whoever the real life James Bond is, fucking lost <laughs> exactly i keep telling you it's like that episode of community where they're talking about the worst timeline this is yes. literally the worst timeline and like, you cannot convince me otherwise all right let's move on yeah, okay. <laughs> you want to get to the episode yes please i need you to hit me off with art tell me about it tell me about it tell me all about the shit I wanna finish Gormit's world before the apocalypse. Good for you. I'm very proud of that. Guys, <laughs> you deserve fresh material. I have the time. I'm putting in the hours. Okay. Uh, this is season four, episode three. I ain't gonna spray lettuce no more. Yeah, yeah. Alan goes to demand a raise, but he instead quits his job as a supermarket manager, something that shocks all the Matthews, including himself. Amy becomes furious that he made such a large decision that affects the entire family without talking to her first. Meanwhile, a hysterical Corey enlists Sean's help in an attempt to learn how to cope with poverty. Oh, I want to talk to you about that so oh, if bad. you think we are not going to talk about this, you don't know me, sir. Because the oh notes that I have on this. <laughs> okay, before we before we get into that, I just want to quickly say that like I'm super excited at the direction they're taking this season because one of the things we noticed in the last two, like the season three premiere and the season two premiere, is that Boy Meets World had this habit of just loading the show with a bunch of new characters. So in season two, we get Turner and we get Harley and Joey and Frankie and season three, we get Eli. It felt like this season they were like, hey, instead of bringing on more characters, let's just really focus in on the characters we've already established. So like this entire episode is dedicated to Alan's storyline. Yeah. When have we seen this before? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's so dope that they just decided to refocus the family unit and incorporate it into this high school teenage show that they've built in the last two seasons. I will give them credit that this is handled in what I would deem to be a very realistic way. Alan makes a decision because he's Alan and he's a little male, 90s male prideful. He makes a decision and it's not like everyone rallies around him and just deals. It's like, no, the kids start to panic. Amy is not happy with it. And she makes that very clear, which I mean, Stan Amy. Stand your ground, Amy. 
I mean, I'm just like, I'm here for Amy, because she... I she have so much it. I want to talk about with Amy. She's wonderful this season. Absolutely. So, uh, those are our first thoughts. Um, so, let's talk about the... There's only Alan... one storyline to talk about this episode. Usually, oh, we have to choose. Yeah, I was going to say, we can talk about Alan and Amy's part of the um, storyline, and then we can go into Corey's reaction. Okay, that's 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 fair. That's good. Um, so one thing I want to say is that in season one, we saw a lot of episodes that focused on just the gripes of the middle class, like it, Alan talking and complaining about having to work a lot, things being expensive. We kind of moved away from that since season one, but it's cool that they're just kind of bringing it back into the show as like, this is a consistent part of the Matthews life of, of being a slightly, or at least Alan, slightly unsatisfied with this middle-class existence that he's built. Yeah, like I love that they did bring it back into uh, our minds that they are... They are middle class, but they also are slightly above working class. Well, this this is so fucking interesting, bro. And as soon as I heard this, I wanted to call you immediately and talk to you about it. Okay, so Sean says to Corey, you are my one rich friend. And Corey goes, not rich, comfortable. Can we unpack that, please? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I think, here's the thing, you're right, I also took note of that. That's very telling of how each person views themselves. And totally, and just like the perception of wealth. Like for Corey, he's like, oh, I'm not rich. I'm comfortable. I have this amazing house. I have this um, family unit. I have, you know, a car in the driveway and, you know, a mailbox and a treehouse and all these things. But, you know, I'm just comfortable. We're, meanwhile, Sean's like, bro, do you have indoor plumbing? Then you're fucking rich. This episode is about understanding how fragile your position is. You know what I mean? Like, Corey, of course, overreacts. But it's very clear that Alan making this kind of decision isn't going to be easy for them. You know, they... And to be honest, you know, he's... Com- a lot of the issues that he's having are just like, you know, he's reached this pinnacle in his career that he never really wanted. And he's feeling like this. there's something more to his life. Like, from his perspective, it's not really a financial decision. But by quitting his job, obviously he's putting a financial burden on his family. And he completely ignores that when making his decision. Like he goes in there to ask for a raise, clearly saying that part of his unsatisfaction is the fact that they are literally just making ends meet, you know? And Amy even calls him out. He's, she's like, yo, will, be, will getting a raise make you happy? And he's yes. like, I think so. I love that. I love that Amy... Like, oh, God, can I just talk? Can we talk about Amy for a little bit? Amy is an angel. Amy has this... You know what? I actually... I... I I don't know, because I feel like sometimes they do the same thing with Amy that they do with Topanga, where I'm just like, Amy's almost too perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is, but also, I want to say that Amy didn't just... Like, I think if you look at a, most TV shows, uh, especially where there's a family dynamic, there's like... They're upset and they're like, oh, you're going to sleep on the couch and yada, yada, yada. Amy never turns that way. But what Amy does do is she asserts her power. And Amy's very, very much someone who's like, A, I can't, I do not like that you did this. 
B, since you did do this, I want to make it very clear. We are partners in this. And since we are partners, this is not like you get to go scot-free and I'm a stand-by-your-man individual. And I love that, like, she called him out in front of the kids and said, I'm an equal partner, aren't I? And, like, made him agree with her. Exactly. So I get the chance. You made a decision that affects this entire family. And I will, too. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? She's like, I don't know yet. But that's She's going to go fuck a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Amy specifically states her needs, her feelings, and that she has autonomy in this situation. And he is not going to drag her and her family and her livelihood on a whim. And whatever happens, she's going to be someone who definitely stands up for her family and what she believes. Yeah, and it was just like a great um, um, examination of partnership and what it means to be a partner with your spouse and how decisions are to be made and, you know, consideration of all parties involved when making choices. I'm here for this storyline, bro. I'm in it. And I even like, as you said, when one of the things I was leading to is when they go to this convention and he... um, comes back and he's like, I, I'm going to open up a convenience store. That's what I'll do. And she's like, this is pretty much what you've always done only on a smaller scale. He's like, yeah, but like, I'll get to be my boss and that'll be different. And she's like, I don't think that this is what you want. I think that this is an easy solution. I think that you're scared and you're grasping. But if you are going to make this choice, which you have already made, I will not support anything less than you going after your dreams. Basically, because I'm not going to do this all over again. You don't get to constantly gamble with our family's well-being. And she also kind of like gives him a pass. Like, bro, I want you to find something that you care about. Like, it's okay. Take the time and find something you really love. Don't just rush into some shit because you feel a burden to immediately find another job. Because that's what led you into this predicament to begin with. As someone who was recently in a very similar position, uh, my boyfriend did the exact same thing. He was like, I was like, maybe I should just take this job and that way I can be able to contribute and yada, yada, yada. And he was like, you don't have to right now. You're in a position to where you and I will be fine as long as you find something that you want to do and you stick to it. That was his main priority. He was like, I want you to have that. I want you to have a career that you're proud of, not just a job that you go to. Even when Alan almost forgot how to be a good partner, Amy never forgot. Like, she knows how to be a good partner. In a way that, like, I'm asking, like, is this a response that Alan deserves? Deserves is very, like, I don't know if he necessarily deserves it, but I do feel like it's true to Amy. It's true to what we know about Amy. When we move over into the, you know, the camp goods or whatever you want to call it, And she makes this decision. I was like, now this is a little bit of too perfect of a person. This is someone who looks at everything. Her choice is the most beneficial to the entire family. And she uses her gimme on something that is kind of selfless, whereas Alan's was completely selfish. Okay, can I tell you that at first, I felt the exact same way. Then I thought about it because... 
Amy makes this decision using Eric's college fund without discussing it with Eric. She's doing the same shit to him that Alan did to her. Whoa, 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 whoa. Two things that are really important. One, Alan and Amy are partners. Eric is their child, number one. Number two, it's not like it's Eric's money in the sense that Eric has been saving for this. The parents have been saving money for Eric who didn't get into college and who is currently living at their house rent-free. And says to Alan, Eric will be his partner. So she gives her son a job, makes him partners with her husband, which she could have just been like, Eric, this is our money. We've been saving for you to go to college. You will benefit from this, but me and your father bought a store. She doesn't say that. She doesn't even say I bought a store. She makes it to where her father, sorry, her husband and her son have equal partnership in this company. And she just kind of uses her one gimme for that. I will say, yes, she gives Eric part of the share. And I feel like that's very generous. To Extremely him. generous. But it was one of those things where it was like maybe a conversation just, again, to not repeat the same patterns that led to her getting upset to begin with. But... In reality, yes, it's her being this perfect woman figure. It's something that I would imagine an adult Topanga doing. I'm sure we will see this so much, but I'm noticing how little women interact with other women. I would have loved to see Amy, Amy have like a moment to talk it over with someone. You know, where's Amy getting her support? Where's Amy, Amy never talks to her daughter. <laughs> they have no relationship that I'm aware of other than uh, black, black, no takes back from season one. Even if she didn't talk to another female, which is what I would prefer, I would love to see Amy kind of deal with the burden that she is now dealing with. Like, if we could have seen her talk to uh, Mr. Kimball a little bit more and like kind of express some of her concerns, you know, I don't know. Like, we just see her make this really positive decision. And you can see the wheels turning. I thought it was very cool that she did ask him. She was like, yo, do you make a good living from this place? Like, it wasn't this decision that she's like, all right, let me put my family into. Like, she thought through all of the scenarios. Yeah, but I'm just saying that the fact that you see the wheels turning and we get to see her make this wise decision almost immediately is kind of the same thing that we were talking about. It's the Topanga Angel issue. It's like... She knew she was just verifying information. Totally. Can I? Can we just go back for a second? Because one of the things that we kind of glossed over was the fact that after Alan did his um, bullshit Marriott and <laughs> job fair, um, he decides, he's like, you know what? Me and Eric are going to go camping. We're going to go camping and we're just going to clear our heads and just like get away from it for, for a weekend or whatever. Or maybe it's like a Tuesday. I don't know. They're both jobless. Yeah. What's it matter? They're going to go camping. They're going to go uh, sleep under the stars. They're going to go fishing. They're going to go do all these things that I believe we saw with Alan in the season one, like hints of that. Yeah. What I thought was so cool was that, like, Alan essentially went on, like, a walkabout, right? Like, he went on, like, this spiritual journey, like, I'm going to go in the woods, I'm going to do some shrooms, and I'm just going (laughs) to, like, let the answers come to me. I love that. And so what do you have to say about that? Because I want to talk about the scene where he gets back, but I want to hear what 
what you have to say about I just about. think it's very, it's very common in literature. Like, this is a show that constantly is referencing classic literature. Yeah. And this is just a trope that I just feel like, um, I, mean, I mean, kind of small in, in the way they, they represented it. But it was. It was like Alan needed to go in the, alone in the woods. He needed to just reflect. He needed to meditate. Um, he needed to think about what was important to him. And when he came back, he was so refreshed with the the vacation that he had that it, it was something that Amy spotted and she was like, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was Feeney. Feeney was the one who spotted. Can we talk about Feeney for a second? Coming out of nowhere as like a guardian angel. Yeah. When I said I was waiting, I meant specifically that I was like, get to your point. Cause the next thing that I want to talk about is Feeney's role. We've talked about this before about Feeney not having kind of like a, family of his own we know he does but he doesn't really engage with them as much as he does the matthews and i felt like again al uh feeney understood that alan was a prideful man that he was going through a rough time and he needed a nudge in the right direction so feeney didn't go to alan and say hey i have a friend who is selling his store you could Take advantage of this if it's what you want to do. George mentioned you had a sale. All he said was, there's a sale going on down there. I think you would benefit checking it out. Not only was Feeney clearly listening and aware of the crisis that Alan's going through, but he also didn't overstep by just directly telling Alan or telling even Amy what was going on. He simply gave them the push that they needed and let things play out. I guess I just, my take from the scene was that sometimes it feels like Feeney's the magical black man of the show. <laughs> like, he's just, like, waiting in the woods to overhear conversations so that he can give advice. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, watch TV, Feeney. Read a book. Like, why are you just hanging out over listening to your neighbors? It's kind of creepy. It is kind of creepy uh, until you realize the relationship they had. It's not like Feeney is over there in his own side of the house and they never talk to each other or they never bother Feeney. You know what I mean? It's just like, sure, yeah, they have a very Tim Allen Wilson yes, over the fence kind yeah, of relationship. That's what I got. It, it's a very blurred line. There's a, yeah. a, a lot of give and take. It is a familial relationship, even though they're not family. Like, they're not blood. One thing I want to point out is that when Alan and Amy are kind of sitting on the chair and Feeney comes to talk to them, it's very reminiscent. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit but I, it's because I want to come back to it later. Um, in the Long Walk to Pittsburgh episode, when Topanga moves, yeah, Feeney comes and talks to Corey and Topanga, and they're almost in the exact position that Alan and Amy and are I'm in. And I'm sure that's on purpose. Again, yeah. I th don't get me wrong. I think you're right when Feeney kind of swoops in and he has the magical answer for everything. They do make him that, that character, but I also think that there is a bit of reality there because this is someone who, he is older, he does understand how the world works. He has connections that they don't know about. You know what I mean? He's able to be observant and outside of the situation. And that helps him see things in a different light 
than maybe Alan or Amy would. One of the things I, I 100% agree. Um, and one of the things I really liked that they did with George too was that they sent him to Kimball's and he's like complaining about socks and he's like, $18 <laughs> for socks. I'm a teacher, not a surgeon. And that's just like, yeah, here's another gripe from a middle-class person talking about what it's like to, to be a teacher and have that salary. And that's always been a part of Feeney's character as well as Alan's character. So maybe it makes sense that they're neighbors. Maybe it makes sense that they're in the same economic class. Like it all just kind of pans out in a way that I was, I thought was really satisfying. So I do want to bring this up because it's, it's so funny that you say that. And I agree. But first thing I want to say is right before we get to this, Mr. Kimball's store, who is played by Dick O'Neill. That is our roll call of the day. Um, right before we get there, Feeney is talking about the store and he's talking about how often he goes there. And he mentions that if they're going to go camping again, they're going to need a two-person sleeping bag. Yes, because Feeney goes camping (laughs) and he fucks, bro. He doesn't fish. He doesn't hunt. He doesn't do any of that. He goes there simply to plow, bro. Yeah, he says, I go camping. I don't fish. You do the math. And I was like, okay, Feeney. And they even gave him, like, the little woo sound clips. So it's like, no, we are saying exactly what you think we're saying. I want to make it very clear. Feeny, we get it. <laughs> this is not the first time that the show has implied that Feeny fucks. Like, <laughs> when Sean found his diary, Feeny be fucking. Like, when he has, like, that date or whatever. Like, yeah, he I just... Remember. He is constantly plowing, and it's just, it's amazing that they made him as a senior citizen a sexual character. Like, this show is incredible with, like, changing our perception of people. Well, absolutely, because I was going to say, it's it's encouraging that he is a widower, but he's not asexual. They constantly let us know that this man has a life outside of what we see. You know, and there- you can kind of see it. Like, he carries himself. Like, he's just, like, this fucking, like, charming dude who has all these fun facts and poetry lined up to, like, moisten you up. <laughs> he's he's a player in the nursing home, bro. Absolutely. I also love, like, a little bit of comedy. Uh, I loved the the whole, as you said, the bit of Feeney never buying anything and he making his first purchase to support the Matthews. Uh, and A, I'm sure it meant so much that their first purchase was Feeney, but also just to kind of drive in the screw a little bit of him and Mr. Kimball's relationship. I think that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, 100% to, to all of that. Because I do believe, like, it was one of those things to where he got to eat the fruit from the seed he planted. Can we, can we just, um, do you have anything else to say about Alan's portion? Because I'm really excited to talk to you about Sean and Corey. A little bit of comedy right at the beginning where Eric goes to the Gap and he's like, he didn't get the job. He tells him it was so easy a monkey could do it. And then Corey comes in. He's like, I was just at the Gap. You won't believe this. And there was a monkey. (laughs) And I was like, that is so stupid. But it made me laugh and loved it. And then also, it reminded me that Eric has a mind for marketing. Say whatever you want to say, but there is one thing that they constantly show. 
Eric knows his stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was really funny, though, when he was like, I'm Gap. Look at me. I'm so white. Like, how <laughs> did I not get this job? <laughs> and I'm sure that's how many white men feel in America. Mm, they took our nerves. <laughs> uh, so Alan tells the family, yo, I quit my job. The first thing that Corey is concerned about is being poor. Is that valid? Question mark? No, but I, I, here's the thing I will say. I had a very hard time with this, and I was really upset with Corey for a little bit. But then I remembered that as a teenager, you aren't that considerate of your parents. You know what I mean? You, it makes sense that Corey is ignoring what his father's going through and thinking about himself, because that's true to a teenage style. All you know is that your way of living is challenged. It's not even really threatened because there's not one day where like a bill doesn't get paid. But that fear alone is a lot to deal with as you're a teenager and you're in high school. I have so many questions about the social, like the economics of the Matthews home, because on one hand, it feels like they're constantly constrained with money. But you're right, like. They point out that Corey eats three meals a day. Like they're not, <laughs> they're not food insecure. You know what I mean? Like they're not broke at all. They just have, you know, middle class bills. They have a mortgage. They have a car payment. Maybe you know they just have shit like that. They have to pay. First of all, there's the comment from Sean that there are two types of people: those who manage to get by, and those who are lucky enough to have people like you in their lives. So are people who manage to get by. And I was like, that is such a, it's an understandable viewpoint of the world, especially from Sean's eyes, but it's also a very sad viewpoint of the world. A hundred percent. I thought they were actually bringing some like super like big ideas into like a few sentences. One of them was, there's two different kinds of people in this world. You know, people who are lucky enough to get by and people like me who are lucky enough to have you in their lives, whatever. The second thing that Sean says after that, which I thought was amazing, was, uh, you know, he's scolding Corey for eating a burger, right? And Corey's like, do you want half? And Sean says, that's how the poor get by. Yes. See, and again, you're right. It's it's one of those things where it's like they hit on with Feeny and they kind of address every, like, like they kind of hit on it every now and then. But it's like they don't really, at least in this, in this episode, they don't really go into what it means to be poor. Because they're not poor. They they have the prospect of being poor, but it is not something they ever really have to deal with. And I do like that Sean is there for Corey and he's like, you're going to get through this. I've done it. You can do it. But also there's a, a lot being said about Corey. For example, the idea that he doesn't want to pay taxes because he's like, oh, I can't afford to pay taxes anymore. And I was like, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly people are willing to forego their quote unquote civic duty when it applies to them. Totally. I mean, one just quick quick thing I want to point out was that the reason why that statement struck so much to me was because the poor get by when the rich give them half was a concept that I thought was so innately political and yeah. such a one quick sentence in a sitcom on a Friday night at nine. Like it's 
it's something I would never expect to hear on Full House or uh, Home Improvement, like these little political statements that are being snuck in there in a way that's like, again, what makes this show more relevant in 2020 than any of the other garbage we had on TV in the 90s? Absolutely. And it's also really funny, again, considering everything that we are dealing with, where there's this whole economic questioning about restructuring. There's this want and drive to help out major companies and this whole trickle-down economics thing that we've been hearing for years. But there's never really a big movement or a big call for those in power to give it the other way around. You know, like a lot of people have been like, all right, well, if you want to bail out all these companies and stuff who we've already done before and we didn't get into a better situation. So why not change things up? Give it to the people. And if you believe what you say, which is that with people with money, give to those in need, then why can't you give money to the people and allow them to give to the businesses that they feel should survive? Exactly. Do you want half? It's how we get by. I I feel that right now, a lot of what we're seeing are companies and industries being treated like the average American has been treated for so long and they don't like it. And they're like, we've got to stop it. And it's like, it's been a week of this. Very much like Corey. They're like, we're poor. And it's like, you're not poor. You're just dealing with things. America is kind of like Corey in this episode, <laughs> isn't it? Very, very much so. This, okay, so this is the bra moment. Okay. <laughs> this is the most culturally relevant moment of, of the show, for sure. Absolutely. Um, they also test themselves on shampoo. Do you want to talk about that scene? or No, I mean, like it was a little side thing, gag. It showed, I will say it did show... Corey willing to earn money to maintain his lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give yeah, him that. Totally. Um, the only other things I want to say is we we kind of really praised Amy a lot, but I feel like when Alan was like, I kind of sort of maybe want to do it. She's like, well, then I don't support it. I can only support you being happy. I really liked that because again, she wasn't just like, all right, if this is what you want to do, then I'm behind you. She was like, no, I don't support it because I feel like this is what you're saying, but it's not how you truly feel, and I know you all enough. I gotta try and figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Helen, what we talked about in the kitchen, you know that I would never stand in the way of something I thought you really wanted to do. I know that. But this isn't about what I want to do. This is about my responsibility to this family. And I just... I just feel so helpless. Honey, you feel helpless because you're stuck. Ellen, it's all right to take a risk. I can't support this convenience store idea because I know you won't be happy. And I can only support your happiness. Alan was kind of also like a little bitch about it, too. He was just like, well, what I want is for my wife to support me in my decisions. Like, that should be automatic, bro. Yeah. Down, right? know, like I didn't even bring that up because that was just some nonsense. You running a 7-Eleven <laughs> is not going to be the end-all be-all <laughs> of our lives. Like, let's think about this. Absolutely. No offense to those who run 7-Elevens. No, not at all. Helpful. But like, it wasn't something he was passionate about. He expressed no interest in doing it. Like, I'm not even trying to downplay it because that's actually one of the themes of the next episode is appreciating service workers. I'm 100% down for that. I'm just saying that 
this was not anything Alan ever expressed interest in. What we have seen him do, even in the past, is go on fishing trips and explore the outdoors, and that being something that he enjoys. They're in Pennsylvania. It makes sense. Absolutely. So I really appreciate that they found a way to enrich his life, enrich the lives of the everyone in the central family unit, and just give us something new. We have a new set to play with now. Yeah. Like, this is the the business the family business you know yeah. it's such a cool change in dynamics now we have alan and eric working together and the biggest thing that i wanted to talk about that i completely forgot is that we established the mentorship between eric and feeny that's a the- very good point you're right we almost left it out but uh kind of like a c storyline is eric refusing being tutored and and pursuing higher education and all it takes is literally like one one transaction in his new family business. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to need more help than I. Than he goes to Feeney and Feeney's like, I can't do this. Like you what you need is a full education. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you want me to go to college? And he's like, no, bro, I want you to be prepared at any point in your life. You're going to be expected to know something. And Eric's just like, will you help me? And he's like, yeah, work with me. And so this is Eric, not in college, not in high school. Still studying academically for the for the for the betterment of his own life. Like this is fucking awesome. Absolutely. And as I was saying, I completely support this. I think it was such a great thing um, for us to see. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at with the episode. Do you have anything else? No, no. I think I think that's it. Like it was to me. I felt a very solid episode. Yeah. What grade are you giving this episode? Oh, I'm giving this episode an A minus. I'm giving it an A minus because um, it gets the A for being a well written episode. I love it when they do uh, one story episodes when we only have one story, no A, no B, no C, so it's mm-hmm. just the one. I feel like it really allows them to tell a story that's more thought out. Um, even the way that they did kind of have a B story with Corey and Sean, but it was still under the same umbrella. Yeah, um, Alan, you know, quitting his job. Absolutely. Um, I feel like they're doing way better at that this season of tying together the stories between the characters, making everything relevant. Um, I think it gets the mind is just because I didn't think it was a very entertaining episode. Like, this isn't an episode I want to watch again, but I just thought it was very good. I would agree with you. I feel like uh, A- minus is a very apt grade for this. It's a really great episode. The It gets the minus for me because, as you were saying, I feel like they kind of solve a few problems a little too easily. Like, Alan doesn't even go a full episode without having his next career path. Um, the problem of Eric getting the job and being in the real world was solved pretty quickly. I feel like that all could have been dive. We could have delved deeper into those things, but for what we got, I really appreciate it. And then, of course, as I said, we had the little bits of laughs with, like, Feeney and Eric's gap um, conversation. So, yeah. Just great. All right. It's just it's it's it's. I I think that again we are seeing what I've been telling you guys for the duration of this podcast, which is this season is prime for you. <laughs> okay, are you ready for homework? 
Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I would like for my homework to recommend um, the show Self Made on Netflix. Oh my god, um, I haven't. I've done like five seconds of it, and I was like, "Yes, I'm in." But dude, it's so good. And I thought I started it like we watched it. I thought it was a movie. Like I thought it was just going to be a biopic. I didn't expect it to be a series, and it's so incredible. Like it kind of feels like the Black Mrs. Maisel almost a little bit, the way it's shot in its production. Um, I think that Octavia Spencer is Octavia Spencer in everything she's in. Like, yeah. I don't really feel like she embodies <laughs> any specific character. But I feel like she is perfect for this role. Um, I feel like they really... They tell an amazing Black story. Like, this is just a fantastic story about a Black woman making the most out of her life without it being about overcoming slavery, without it being about fucking just like Jim Crow, any of this, those struggle stories. Like it's not about that. It's about her building a business. Like it's so cool the way they do it and the respect that they give this character in the story. So I just really highly recommend um, for people to check it out. Um, I think that there's a fantastic cameo in it. Like, I think I saw Bill Bellamy in an episode. Yeah. Blair Underwood is in this. Like, it's like, like everyone who grew up watching Black 90s movies is going to be like, I recognize so many people in this. So it's just like, it's really, it's, it's cool. And Tiffany Haddish is actually really great in it as well. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like I said, I saw like just the first few minutes of the first episode and i was like this is nothing what i expected i'm really happy with what i did see and i'm excited to jump on board so uh, tiffany haddish plays a uh queer woman of color in the early 1900s like i i'm i have to be honest i think i even have an episode left like i haven't even finished it but um i'm excited to to wrap it up and see how it all ends all right well thanks for that um so my homework is going to be something a little bit different um just with everyone listening uh i don't know what you're doing you're probably quarantined but it's still it's timely advice uh i suggest going out taking a walk honestly like Make sure that you're keeping your social distancing. Um, but if you have a chance, um, go outside, get a little breather. Fresh air is really good. It's been helping with my anxiety. Uh, the other day, me and my boyfriend were like really very tense and we just kind of went on a walk and were able to get out of our heads and go around things. But we also like, you know, we're making sure that we were mindful to keep our distance from other people. We're not going to the park or beaches or anything like that but i do think nature is important when you are trying to keep your you know i guess sanity um during isolation so yeah it helps so much and i one quick story i want to throw in about taking a walk during quarantine yeah. <laughs> um okay so i had i had a surgery like the first like the second week of May of March, right? So like right before Corona really started to break out in the US and before everyone went under lockdown. So I had planned to be have like a three week recovery. I was gonna work from home for two weeks. I was prepping to be home, right? Um when the corona broke out. So I'm recovering from surgery. I'm not allowed to leave. So isolation didn't really feel like anything. So from my perspective, everything was normal. I 
had surgery, I was recovering, the world changed, and then I went on my first walk outside since, you know, being recovering from surgery. I went on my first walk, and it was so fucking weird, because I'm with my fiancé, and we're walking, and we look around, and we saw someone from across the street. We're on the sidewalk, they're on the sidewalk. We kind of stopped for a second, they locked eyes with us, they immediately, almost like, in like a Hitchcockian way, like, turned straight and started walking faster, even though we were on the other (laughs) side of the street. Like, if feel it really and that happened to us like three different times every time someone saw us they they recognized us they almost visually quickly acknowledged that we were there and then ran the opposite way and we came back and i told it to my mom and she's like wow i guess now everyone knows what it feels like to be black (laughs) amazing right you're right i love it that is amazing totally worth it Oh, man. But yeah, it's, it's, it is it's nice to, to go outside. Every night. Absolutely. All right. So uh, that being said, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Brummie's World. Remember, you can find us now on all the places that you listen, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating. We appreciate it. Reach out to us if you want to at Brummie's World uh, or email us at Brummie's at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter uh, that is X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J-T-C. And you can find me at a braver me on Instagram, uh, at dot braver dot me. Um, and if you guys just have any comments on this episode, if you have any comments on just like Boy Meets World, if you want to talk about life in quarantine, if you want to talk about what the Matthews would be like during a quarantine, <laughs> I would love to have that conversation um yeah comment on our social needs comment on itunes um and yeah reach out to us we'd love to we'd love to interact absolutely okay you guys remember to dream to try and social distance social distance all right later bros later bros